Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. This day, 2,000 years ago, uh, was, a, was a big day in the life of the disciples. And it was a day that would inevitably uh, catapult them in to what I personally think you could uh, only describe as like a roller coaster week. It was a week with many ups and many downs, twists and turns, things that they were not anticipating. Like, like the start of the week, Palm Sunday. This was an exciting day. As, as Dr. Anna was just saying a moment ago, people lining the street, putting clothes down on the, the ground and waving palm branches and Jesus on a donkey and people singing, Hosanna, God save us, we, we need salvation. And, and it was a, an amazing day. One of the Coptic churches celebrate two days side by side, Palm Sunday and then Saturday they recognize as the day that Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. If you don't know the story of Lazarus, uh, he was a brother, two sisters, Mary and Martha, and he'd been dead in the tomb for four days. Jesus raises him from the dead. And so there's a lot of celebration about that. Uh, Celebration is in the air. Jesus has been doing miracles. Blind people are seeing. Lame people are walking. Demons are being cast out. Lives are being impacted. He's feeding multitudes with, with miracle bread and fish. And so the buzz about Jesus is quite ecstatic. And so as he's coming in to the city and they're singing on the sides and the, the, the disciples are there right beside Jesus, you, you can imagine in the disciples' mind then thinking, this is it. I, I, I think everyone gets it. We're about to proclaim him as Messiah. They were anticipating a political revolution. And they thought, maybe this is it. He's going to go in. We've got the crowds. We've got the power. Everything is going to go down now. They will see Jesus just like we see Jesus. And then Monday came. And today was a little different. And for the disciples, what was won yesterday must have felt like was lost today. Because Jesus, on Monday, goes into the temple, and when he goes into the temple, the money lenders and exchanges are, are there, and they've set up businesses. And the business model is this. You have to bring a lamb into sacrifice. That's incredibly difficult. How hard is it for you to get a lamb, put it on a cart, bring it all the way from your house to the temple, and then sacrifice that lamb. That's a lot of work. So this is what we'll do. We'll take out the, 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 the journey for you, and we'll have the lambs available here. You can buy a lamb from us. You don't have to bring it with you. Buy a lamb from us, and then you can sacrifice it. No one's going to know whether you brought it in or you bought it here, and you buy it here. And then they're making money off the laziness and apathy of God's people. Jesus knows where he's going, knows what he's got to do, knows the mission that he's on. He's very focused. And maybe in his mind, he's thinking, I'm going to die for these people. I'm going to make the ultimate sacrifice for these people. And they can't even be bothered bringing a lamb from their flock, from their first fruits and bringing it in. They they have cheapened the sacrifice and Jesus just goes all psycho ninja Jesus on them. He starts flipping tables. He gets whips. He starts chasing them out with the whips. He goes crazy in the temple. And so I'm pretty sure if I was a disciple, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, this is not a good thing. Then Tuesday came. Now, Tuesday was the day that the disciples were going to take the turn to be offended. Offended the religious people and the people of the city the day before. But Tuesday is the disciples' day. Jesus is in a house. Simon the leper, woman comes, breaks open an alabaster flask of very costly perfume. Someone in the room was good at math, and they added it all up, and they worked out that the value of that perfume was about a year's salary. So let's call that a $50,000 bottle of perfume. And she broke it, poured the whole lot out. She poured out $50,000 of perfume in one moment. 
The disciples lost their mind. This is an unbelievable, extravagant waste. You could have just put a dollop on his head. Everything would have been good. If you wanted to get rid of it, give it to us. We could have sold it to the poor. And they are angry. King James Bible says uh, they were indignant at this extravagant waste. Another Bible translation says they were vehement. Another one says they, they, they were full of anger and wrath as this is happening. And so they're like, this is wasteful. And, and then Jesus turns to them. And doesn't side with them and go, yeah, you're right, guys. This is horrible. Why'd you do that? This is terrible. No, Jesus sides with the lady. And not only does he side with the lady and rebuke the disciples, which must have been difficult for them, he sides with the lady, rebukes the disciples, and then makes this statement that makes no sense to them. What she's done is a good thing. She came before to anoint my body for burial. This is not even in the equation of the disciples' thinking. Wednesday, Jesus goes AWOL. No one knows where he is at. And we come to Thursday. Thursday, the disciples are gathered together in a room. They're with Jesus. They're uh, joining in in a celebration of the whole city is in on and thousands of people are celebrating Passover. They're celebrating this moment and they're going to have a Passover feast. And we pick the passage up in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In a week that had been filled with so many ups and downs, this seemingly out-of-context statement must have had the disciples wondering, What on earth? is Jesus talking about right now. And that leads us to our message today, scarlet and white. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that this day you have made it. You created it. You created it for us. You create the day, and then what we make out of the day is what makes us. We're in your house today. We haven't come as a religious observation, but Lord God, we've come because we want to hear from you. And we want to be ministered to by you. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room in a powerful way. I invite you into the rooms of those that are watching us online in a powerful way. Give us ears to hear, Holy Spirit, what you're saying to us individually. And give me the prophetic ability, Lord God, to be able to speak into the fabric of people's lives. That you would do supernatural change in Jesus' name. Amen. I was standing in an elevator, and it was jam-packed with people and strangers, people I, I, I'd never met. The only, the only thing that we had in common is that we were going from the ground floor up. We're all passengers in an elevator. Now, normal international elevator protocol is that when you get in an elevator, you face the door. You don't talk to anybody. You're silent. You look at no one. You just look at the lights that indicate every floor, waiting for the light to hit your floor. Everyone understands that this gathering is not a place for community involvement. This is just a place where you are going as a mode of transport to get to your destination. Unless your name is Barry Bergen. 
Now, Barry Bergen is the patriarch of the Bergen family, and they are the family that took me into their house when I just got saved. They were the first people to have an impact on my life in discipleship. And I was downtown with Barry. Now, Barry, you've got to understand, is a soul winner. He is an evangelist. He loves to share the gospel. Sometimes it's a little weird how he does it, but he loves to share a real evangelist. Like his, his motto is, if you're moving, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. If you're not moving, I'm going to push you till you do, and then I'm going to preach the gospel to you. So this guy's a legit evangelist. And so I'm in the elevator with Barry, this jam-packed elevator. Uh, and to me, it, we're just going up in the elevator. But when Barry gets in there, he just thinks this is an opportunity for a mini evangelism campaign. This is an opportunity for him to preach the gospel. And these people have not gathered in there to get to their floor. They've gathered in there for one purpose and to hear the gospel being preached. And so the elevator was absolutely silent. We're all just standing there doing what we're supposed to do, watching the, the, the lights and hearing ding, 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 as it started to pass through the floor. And then Barry, in his best preacher voice, loud as anything, breaking the silence, looks at me and says, I need to know about the blood. Tell me about the blood. I've got to know. I've got to know about the blood. I am a brand new Christian. I have no idea what he's even talking about. And so I am like a little bit embarrassed and very confused. And I think I said something like, uh... Uh, it's red and uh, flows out of an owie. I, I had no idea what he was talking about. That was 40 years ago. Today, I want to I, I redeem that, that moment. I couldn't tell anybody about the blood. I had no idea what he was talking about, but I, I want to redeem that moment today. I want to talk to you about the blood. In Matthew chapter 26, the disciples are with Jesus. They're celebrating the Passover. Uh, Passover is one of the three major festivals that they're celebrating. Passover, uh, Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles. Passover was a celebration of Israel's deliverance out of 400 years of slavery where a death angel was going to pass through the city. And then they were told, listen, if you want to be saved, if you want to escape, Got to kill a lamb, got to shed the blood, pour it into a basin, take hyssop, dip the hyssop in the blood, paint it over the doorposts and the lintels. When the death angel comes in, it'll see the blood and it will pass over. So Passover in a nutshell is a lamb is slain, blood is shed, uh, there is an anointing of blood, salvation comes because of that anointing, and the, uh, the death angel passes over, and the people are saved. And so the disciples are with Jesus, and as a community, they're all celebrating this moment. But then Jesus says that, this, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is now strategically connecting the shedding of the blood of the lambs when Israel was delivered to his body and the blood that would be shed over the next 24 hours. The blood of the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. Now, what's important for us to know, and really important, if you are uh, visiting your first time in church, never been in church in your life, someone invited you to come today, you came today, you were very, very cool with the palm branches, you are very, very cool with like, like the choir and all those things happening, you know, you're like, this is a cool place, and somebody shook your hand and made you feel good, and now this random guy with a foreign accent is talking about blood, and so you are weirding me out. And I, and I get that. I've, I've been in that place, but what is important to know is that this moment in time that Jesus is linking his dying to Passover is not a random, disconnected afterthought in the mind of God. 
Everything that is about to take place and transpire is a culmination of a plan that gets its beginning in the book of Genesis, works its way all through the Bible to the book of Revelations. The cross of Jesus is not an afterthought. It is a part of the salvation plan of God. And so if you are new, just give me a few minutes and hopefully we'll help you to understand. If you are in the church and you say, I sort of get it, give me a couple of minutes and realize what God did for you because God loves you. You are valuable to God. You matter. You're not an afterthought. You're not a leftover. You're not a nothing. You matter to God. Is there anybody in the house today glad that God loves them? First Peter chapter 1, he wrote, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your fathers, forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for your sakes. So as we read the Bible, we have to be mindful that the Bible is not a book of rules. The Bible is not a set of bylaws. The Bible is not an outline of some religious constitution. It's 66 books, 1,189 chapters, over 31,000 verses telling the story of God telling the story of God's love and mercy towards mankind, telling about his desire to bring redemption, for his desire to bridge a gap that was created by man in the Garden of Eden. It is the joining together of many seemingly disconnected stories scattered throughout the passages of the Old Testament, bringing them all together to not only make sense, but to show in a majestic way the unfolding plan of God's salvation laid out. A preacher, William Evans, noted this. He said, you cut the Bible anywhere and it bleeds. The atonement is the scarlet cord running through every page of the Bible. The Bible is red with redemption truth. The blood of Jesus stains every page Every book in both Testaments, everything is pointing in one direction to the cross. Themes that appear disconnected, systematically coming together. Prophetic words made in obscurity become reality. Promises are fulfilled. Stories are linked. Random, obscure moments finally find their purpose. Somebody described the Bible like this, that the uh, Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. In the movie uh, Endgame, it's a Marvel movie, the last scene of the movie, they take every hero that has appeared in every different Marvel movie, their own individual movies, and they bring them all onto the battlefield for one big final battle. Every one of those heroes has their own story. Iron Man has a story. Captain Marvel has a story. Captain America has a story. Black Panther has his own unique story. Ant-Man has a story. It's a small story, but he still has a story. The Guardians of the Galaxy have their own story. Dr. Strange, every one of the characters on the battlefield have their own unique story, their own unique power, their own unique background, but now they culminate in one final battle, the end game. In, in, in some way, uh, the cross is God's end game, the final battle against sin. It's his battle against the wages of sin. It's his battle against the power of sin. It's his battle against the bondage of sin. It's his battle against the consequences of sin. And importantly for us, it's his battle against the judgment of sin. So let me tell you about the blood. John 1, 1 John, should I say, chapter 1 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Uh, I, I, I Baptist pastor, Pastor uh, Criswell, back on December 31 in 1961, preached a message called the Scarlet Thread of Redemption. And he started the message pre-creation. And he took everyone on a journey in one message, in one, everyone say one message, for three hours. So that is a really long message. How many of you are glad today that I have no intention of preaching for three hours? Don't need to be so excited about it. Three hours of preaching. That to me, that's like two packets of Ritalin just to try to get through that. But he opened this sermon and he took people on a journey that he called the scarlet thread of redemption. And it started in the Garden of Eden when blood was first shed. And, and in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve have a relationship with God, walking daily with God, and then they rebel against God. And then when they rebel against God and they sin, judgment comes upon them. They just feel like we know we've done the wrong thing. They're feeling guilty. They're feeling bad. We shouldn't have done that. Things have changed. All of a sudden, they look and they notice they're naked. Ah! And they notice they're naked. And they, they were always naked. It wasn't like they sinned and their clothes fell off. They were always naked. They just didn't see it. Now they get a revelation of themselves that they don't like, and they go and hide themselves from God. God comes in to the garden. He's like, Adam, Eve, where are you? And they're like, over here. Where? Behind a bush. Aren't you aware of what my father does to bushes? No, not yet. Why are you behind the bush? We're in the Nicky Nudie. Who told you you were in the Nicky Nudie? And, and, and they, they, get, they get busted. To cover their sin, God kills an animal and blood is poured out. And that is the beginning right there of the scarlet thread of redemption. Blood poured out to create a covering for the sin of man. That scarlet thread ran to the sacrifice that Abel had made. It ran to the sacrifice that Noah had made. It ran into Abraham experiencing it. Abraham takes his son up onto a mountain, Mount Moriah. He's about to offer his son as an offering to God. And at last moment, God's like, stop, don't do that. And there's a ram caught in the thicket. God provides his own sacrifice. There's his son, a sacrifice provided by God and salvation comes to the family. That sounds a little familiar. It's a scarlet thread of redemption. In the book of Leviticus chapter 17, it says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by life. It's a blood where represented when a midwife ties a scarlet thread to the finger of a newborn baby. And Tamar gives birth and that connects Perez to the lineage of Jesus. Moses is instructed to put the doorposts covered in blood so the, so the death angel passes over. What is this? This is the scarlet thread of redemption weaving its way. Every one of these stories connected strategically, but most people not even knowing about the previous story. Rahab got a pretty suspicious sort of suspect, dodgy background, but she hides some spies in her house and 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 when they go they say hey listen we're gonna the, the city's gonna go down tonight there's gonna be judgment on the city if you put a scarlet thread outside your house when the soldiers come in they're gonna see the scarlet thread and they'll pass over your house and salvation will come to your house it's a scarlet thread of redemption working its way all through the bible in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, we read, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, that securing an eternal redemption 
For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more? Everyone say more. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The last mention of the blood comes in, as the Bible closes out in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 13. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. We have to remember that Jesus didn't bleed for himself. He bled for us. He, he didn't bleed for his sin. He bled for our sin. It, it's the beautiful exchange. It's the redemption of our soul. It's God saying, listen, we've been offering sacrifices all these years of bulls and goats and different things and lambs, and and you've had forgiveness for a moment, but now I'm going to bring forgiveness forever. And I'm going to send my son as the Lamb of God, and we're going to make one atoning sacrifice forever. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. of. Without the shedding of blood, there is no. Everyone say no. There is no. Without the shedding of blood. Tell me about the blood. Without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness. Therefore, any time the Lamb of God bled, any time the Lamb of God was shedding blood, if forgiveness is in the blood, if redemption is in the blood, if the blood of the lamb cleanses us from all our sin, I believe that any time the lamb of God bled, he was making a redemptive statement. He was making a redemptive statement to you and I. Peter said this, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So let me tell you about the blood. Isaiah prophesied, he says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your skins are, our sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. So sinless Jesus, who was as white as snow, his body would become red like scarlet. So you and I, whose sins have made us red like scarlet, we would become as white as snow. He who had no need to be redeemed by blood bled so that you and I could be the recipients of redemption. Paul wrote, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty may become rich. He who had no sin became sin, or took on sin, so you and I who are full of sin could be free from sin. The scarlet thread of redemption is destined to run from Genesis through to Revelations to you and me. It runs to us. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. He took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many, for the forgiveness of sins. After the supper, Jesus gathers the disciples together and takes them to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. They are totally unaware of what is about to happen over the next 24 hours totally clueless, have no idea that the scarlet thread of redemption that began its flow in the Garden of Eden thousands of years earlier would weave its way through the Old Testament and then it would make its way into another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. The inevitability of Calvary right now is only one decision away. And I've often wondered, what, what is going on in the mind of Jesus at this point, in the Garden of Gethsemane? 
This spoken word is a reflection of my imagination of what those thoughts may have been on that night. From every side, voices, voices of doubt, intimidation, attempts to influence my situation, change the plan in place since creation. The sensation of fear, hesitation, personal frustration, stirrings of indignation lead me to this place alone, struggling in pain in my contemplation. Before me, a barbaric cross, I feel at a loss, looking forward towards a mocking crown, beaten down, thrown to the ground, nails. My heart fails. The wind has gone from beneath my sails. I am motionless on the sea of destiny, terrified to fail. A crimson stream flows runs down my face, accentuated by a canvas of flesh so pale. Like an earthquake deep within, shaking me at the core, where do I begin? About to take the judgment for the world's sin. Pressure trying to crush my will to win. Blood vessels exploding under my skin. Sweat pours. Blood seeps. Saturates my forehead, drenches my cheeks. Can anyone... Take this cup from me? How would that affect history? An archangel instead of me? Makes sense as far as I can see. That's the battle raging inside of me. My choice, my call, my destiny to be the Savior, Lord of eternity. Big shoes to fill. The expectation of my Father's will. If I do it, if I choose it, do I even have what it takes to go through with it? In the end, I submit an obedient son. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. A redemptive choice. A sacrificial choice. A choice to break the curse of the law of the spirit of sin and death. A choice in a garden to undo a choice made in another garden. A choice that connects uh, this moment to every other atonement, moment in history. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sin. Redemptive statements made every time the Lamb of God bled. The scarlet thread of redemption weaving its way to the face of Jesus. Blood vessels exploding from overwhelming pressure. Redemptive statements to oppression, trauma, anxiety, worry, inner conflict. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Bruised by the intense beating of the Roman soldiers, his body bleeding under the surface of his skin. Isaiah prophesied he'd be bruised for our iniquities. His bruising our freedom, courage to overcome the hidden areas of life, overcome guilt, fear, and shame. They beat him, they spat on him. And with one command from the Roman official, Jesus' body was whipped and scourged, beaten within inches of his life. The force of the Roman scourge ripping through Jesus' body, his flesh torn to pieces. Therefore, sickness and disease have no right to exist in the body of the believer. By his stripes, we are healed. Soldiers mocked Jesus with a crown of thorns they prepared for the king. Thorns cutting through the forehead, blood flooding from the seat of the soul, redemption made available, peace, strength, healing to your mind, will, and emotions. You can overcome confusion, you can defeat depression, you can be bigger than bitterness, 
You can forgive those who hurt you. You can walk tall when they try to make you small. As a prophet said, his soul an offering for our sin. They tore Jesus' garments. They reopened his wound. Oppressed and afflicted, he doesn't open his mouth. They took nails, large Roman nails, and hammered them through the hands of Jesus. His blood cleansing us from our sinful actions, habit, and lifestyle. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions and was led like a lamb to the slaughter. With his arms stretched wide and his nail-pierced hands, Jesus made a statement. Salvation is available for everyone and anyone. They beat nails into the feet of Jesus. The love of God has no limits. It'll reach you, no matter where you've been or how you've lived. There is no action that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse. There is no person that Jesus cannot redeem. It was said, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And again, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. I believe every time Jesus bled, he made a statement, fulfilled a purpose, purchased our freedom, claimed claim to our healing. The scarlet thread of redemption had made its way to Calvary. As soldiers thrust a spear beneath the ribcage, he bled for our relational healing. Only a friend can get close enough to pierce your side and get close enough to wound your heart. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not.
seated. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. It was almost like the prophet Isaiah was standing right beside the cross, looking at what Jesus was going to do and talking about it over 600 years earlier. The cross wasn't an accident. It was God's plan of redemption to bring us home. It was the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. I believe any time the Lamb of God bled, he was making a redemptive statement. He was making a statement that he wanted to heal something in your life. He's wanting to let you know it's not an accident. It's not a plan. There's healing. There's breakthrough. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that we have overcome through the blood of the Lamb and through the power of our testimony. The blood of the Lamb creates our story, our testimony. Our story is, I used to be like this, but because of God's love and because of the blood of Jesus now, I'm like this. I, I, I used to be unclean and unrighteous, but now I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all of our sin. I believe any time that Jesus bloody made a statement. So when he was bruised under the surface of his skin, I believe he was telling anybody, if there's hidden areas that you don't want anybody to know about, they can be healed. Those things that you've hidden since you were a child and now you're in your 50s, that thing can be healed because Jesus bled for that healing. I believe when, when they put the, the scourge into Jesus' body and they tore open his flesh, I believe that he was making a statement that we are saved and healed by his stripes. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and praying so intensely that blood vessels exploded, I believe that he was praying for everybody and anybody, but I believe that he bled for you that are under oppression and under difficulty and such strain. When they, when they took that crown of thorns and they rammed it into his head, he, he bled for your thought life, your mind, your will, and your emotions. He was pierced in his hands and pierced in his feet, and he bled for us wherever we've been, whatever we've done. When they took a spear and rammed it in his side, I believe that he bled for our relational healing. Redemption is not just about you getting a pass to get into heaven. It is about Jesus redeeming and changing your life on here, right now, on earth, and making you full, making you whole, making you brand new, doing something in you to redeem all your life. Is there anybody in the house today that's glad that God made a way for us to have total freedom? and I don't want to stretch the illustration too far and I understand this may be stretching it but it's at least well worth thinking about if every time the son of God bled the lamb of God bled he made a redemptive statement when he was eight years of age eight days of age sorry they they circumcised and he was cut and bled at the point of his sexuality. I believe that Jesus bled for our healing for any sexual brokenness that we may have experienced. It may be coincidental, but it happened when Jesus was eight. He couldn't fight back. He couldn't say no. He couldn't defend himself. And most sexual brokenness takes place when someone can't say no, where they can't fight back, when they can't resist. But I believe every time Jesus bled, he was making a statement. I'm bringing healing and I'm bringing wholeness to your life. I want to heal your bitterness. I want to heal your anger. I want to heal your resentment. I want to heal your brokenness. I want to heal your, your frustration. I want, to, I, I want to heal your disappointments. I want to heal your failures. I want to heal your fear. I want to bring healing and wholeness into any area on your life that has been broken. This is what we're going to do today. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you today on this Palm Sunday. And we're going to pray for you. And we're going to make a, a statement that when you look at this cross before you leave today, that you'll be able to go, I believe Jesus did that for me. Next time the enemy tries to 
rise up and tell you you're an ex something or you're this or you're that. You can, you can just say, no way. I know the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all my sin. I am whole. I am free. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus did something in my life. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it, but he did it anyway. I'm saved by grace through faith, not of my own works. Jesus did it all on the cross for me. When you came in, you would have received one of these cards. On the back, you can see it's white. It says scarlet and white. This is what we want you to do. I'm going to put in a moment as the team sings, I'm going to put some words up on the screen. They'll also come up on here. And when you see the word, if that speaks to you about a situation, maybe write it down on the card or, or maybe God's already speaking to you. You don't need to worry about what I put on the. Maybe God's already talking to you about an area of your life. I want you to write it down. If you don't have a pen, hoster in the highway right now. You can just lift your hand. They'll get a pen for you. You can write it down. But this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to write it down. And then at your leisure through this song, I'd like you to come and I'd like you just to place your card on the stage. We're going to take that card and we're going to put it on the cross. And we're going to pray for you today. We're going to pray for breakthrough for you today before you leave. When you put your card on the stage, you can grab communion. And you can just make your way back to your seat. And once we've sung the song, we're going to take communion together this morning. And I believe that God is going to change lives and miracles are going to happen in the next few minutes. So can you fill that card out? Team's going to sing. And whenever you feel comfortable to do that, just get up out of your seat and come and place these cards down on the floor. Grab communion. Make your way back to your seat.
keep coming. If you're back in your seat right now, why don't you stand with us? And why don't you take your communion out? Why don't you just crack the top? You find a little wafer in there. His body broken for us. We're going to take communion together on Friday morning at prayer, 6 a.m. But we're taking communion today to remind ourselves not just of what Jesus did, but what Jesus did for you. When you take this communion right now, I want you to, to think about what Jesus did for you. I want you to leave here today and I want you to remember what Jesus did for you. This, this, this changed my life radically years ago. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. And that's awesome. Loves everybody and anybody. I love that. I don't think I would have qualified if he hadn't said that. But what I realized was if, if none of you had ever responded to his love and I was the only person on planet earth to ever respond to the love of God, Jesus would have still gone to the cross for me. And I want you to take that address and just change the address. I want you to think about this this morning, that if you were the only one in history, you, the only one in history that ever received Jesus as Savior, he would have done everything just for you. That's how valuable you are. You've got to remember that you are loved by God, not rejected by him. Can you take the bread right now that represents his body? Can you just take that with me right now? Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us. We're going to sing this song. And as we do, again, when you feel like it, when you feel like it in this moment, I want you to get a vision of the cross. I want you to get a vision of what you put on the cross. And I want you to see you. I want to see what you put, you just see what you put on the cross. And I want you to see the blood of Jesus covering that. And as you take communion today, I want you to take communion in remembrance of him, but not just remembering Jesus, but remembering what Jesus did for you. I want you to remember what Jesus did for you. I want you to walk out of here today knowing that Jesus came to set you free. We overcome, we win, we have victory. We, we're in a great position through the blood of the Lamb and through the power of our testimony. Your story is a result of the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus gives you a result in your story. You have victory because of what he did. Tell me about the blood. I'll tell you about the blood. It changed my life. Tell me about the blood. It healed my life. Tell me about the blood. It gave me breakthrough in my life. Tell me about the blood. I'm stronger today than I was back then. Why? Because of salvation coming into my life. Tell me about the blood. I know I'm going to heaven because of the blood. I know I'm redeemed because of the blood. I know I'm loved because of the blood. I know I'm whole because of the blood. I know I'm free because of the blood. I tell you about the blood. It's God's love outplayed for you and me. Can we sing the song? Can we get a vision of what God's doing, breaking through in your life? Can you walk out free today? That's my prayer for you in Jesus' name. Let's sing the song.
anybody thankful for the blood today? Come on, is there anybody in the house thankful for what Jesus did on the cross? If you got nothing else out of today's message, if you ever get caught in an elevator and somebody asks you about the blood, at least you barely give them a story.